Geekville Radio. He shot first. Well, now I will shoot first. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville, and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with another episode here. This is going to be a Star Wars double shot episode. We're going to do our usual review this week. It was Chapter 21, The Pirate. We're also going to talk the season finale of The Bad Batch. I know I didn't really talk as much about Bad Batch this year, but I really enjoyed the season. It's easily just as good as the last season is, and I will talk about that in the latter half of the show. So if you don't really care about Bad Batch, we'll do Mandalorian first, and then we will go into Bad Batch. So if all you care about is Mandalorian, you can turn that off after the Mandalorian review. I'm not going to make you wait or fast forward to get to the Mandalorian review. So we will hop to it. We had the Mandalorian chapter 21, the pirate review. And last week's episode got us back in the saddle with a whole lot of Mandos because they had saved one of the foundlings. Actually, it was Paz Vizsla's son from the clutches of a raptor's nest. And we'll see if we get our clashes with big scary monsters this week but this episode the pirate i mean this one very much arguably for the best episode of the season is the one that felt the most like a star wars story and it kicked off with a shot that always works for star wars that being of a large ship moving into view kind of looming over everything going all the way back to the original movie and you see the Carillion Corvette and the Star Destroyer that just kind of kept going on and going on and going on. It worked for that. It worked with Rogue One with a Star Destroyer looming over Jeddah. It worked in Andor. There's a similar shot for that. And it definitely still worked here. This time it was Gorian Shard in his Corsair flexing his muscle over Navarro much like the classic villain from the Westerns of old. I've said before that Star Wars does keep with a lot of the tropes that Westerns have. If you like Star Wars and haven't been a fan of Westerns, there are turns to look out for that you will see inspirations for Star Wars from. Probably one of the biggest ones is The Magnificent Seven, that Akira Kurosawa samurai film, and then the Western that came out in the 60s, and I said this season that I thought this was going to be a lot of Magnificent Seven in this season. That's what I was predicting. And yeah, I'm pretty far off in that prediction, but I at least I can still say that this episode still had a lot of what I was predicting was going to happen in the season. It just had it all contained into this episode because much like the Western tropes of old, the... Outlaws, the bandits, they come into this town wreaking havoc on the innocent townspeople, and then the heroes have to ride into town to 
run the outlaws off. So it definitely had that classic swashbuckling vibe if you want to take the pirate cue. Fitting because the episode is called The Pirate. But I had actually thought that the watch, i.e. Din's old group with the armor and all that, they would actually be the one invading. And Din's ragtag group that he would have searched for and found would be the saviors. Now, of course, I'm still right in the fact that Din was helping and save the town and doing good for Navarro. We just now know that it was Gorian Shard that was trying to flex his muscle and just kind of infringe his will on the people of Navarro. I've started calling Gorian Shard the Chia Pirate because, well, let's face it, he his beard looks like something you would see on a Chia Pet. So the Chia Pet Pirate flexing his muscles, thinking he's all hot stuff and... Grief Karga tried to bluff him. He tried to convince him. This is another one of those scenes that, as a gamer, tabletop gamer, you could practically see the dice being rolled of Grief trying to con or bluff to try to convince Gorian, the Chia pirate, to not invade Navarro, but he failed that role miserably, and Grief had to call for help. I, th- I think this is one of those cases where we really saw what Grief Cargo was made of. Because remember, going back to the first season, he wasn't exactly the most lawful guy around. Yet, As Paz Vizsla talked in his promo that he cut to rally the troops, so to speak, that Grief's people were the ones they clashed with in order to save Grogu the first time and get Grogu to safety. And now it's kind of a a mirrored thing, whereas once they fought against Grief Karga and now they fight for him against a greater evil. That That's another trope that's just about as old as tropes can get. But fortunately, the Mandalorians are able to come to their rescue as a reward, Grief decrees that the land be set aside for the Mandalorians to take shelter. They they have a home now, and they no longer have to stay under the radar, keep in hiding. Because when Karshiva went to plead for help on Grief's behalf, he knew that the Mandalorians had to stay hidden. They had to stay covered, otherwise that people would come for them, so they they stay off the radar. Now they no longer have to do that. But I think the fact that Grief Karga not only stayed behind, he didn't evacuate, he actually walked with the people as they were seeking shelter. He was walking with his people and assuring them that help would be coming. He could have stayed cooped up in his castle or mansion or wherever he is that he does his magistrating from, but he chose to go to his people and be with them. That is the type of qualities I think a good leader has. The people feel like he is with them and they're not doing anything for him, if if that makes any sense. So major props to the character of Grief Carter for this, and I think it really makes him in the end a very heroic character not just because he was cleaning up Navarro from what it was, 
but that he was willing to put his own life and his own reputation on the line to be with his people at a time of need. Now, the biggest surprise, for me at least, after the dust had settled, was the armor proclaimed that Bo-Katan is the person that will reunite the Mandalorians. And since she was from the Kree's clan, Bo-Katan is, obviously, for those that don't watch Clone Wars, her sister was Satine, Kree's, but since she's of the Kree's clan, she's actually not con- confined by the way, and she's able to remove her helmet in public. I personally think that that's going to be something that's going to happen in the future. We're supposed to unite the Mandalorians, not argue amongst our individual beliefs and individual sects or denomination. So it would stand to reason that anybody that regroups with the Mandalorian, especially if they are actually Mandalorian by blood, people like Sabine Wren won't have to worry about keeping themselves helmeted in front of others. They'll be able to remove their helmets and be seen in public. I also think it's something that Din is going to adopt sometime in the future. I think this may be the first season we've had where Din did not remove his helmet at all, not even once. Because even in the first season, before we had the brief part where he unmasked in front of IG-11, we did see him take off his helmet to eat while he watched the kids play. They didn't show his face then, but the fourth episode, I think it was, Sanctuary, he was shown to have taken off his helmet to watch kids eat. But again, getting back to the RPG elements, the tabletop gaming and tropes, quite frankly, is now the heroes have a better place of operations. They're able to set up shop on Navarro. Maybe there'll be a local lawman, maybe not. But they now have a civilized world that will have resources at their disposal. They will not have to scrounge for every little resource that they have. So it's going to be easier for them to maintain their armor integrity, repair their armor, keep their backpacks fueled, keep their guns loaded, all that stuff that they would have to scrounge for, they won't have to scrounge for anymore because they have a home on a planet that is actually part of a trade route where goods are coming and going. Now, in the epilogue, Carson Teva found the wreckage of the shuttle that took Moff Gideon to face trial. It was destroyed, no fibers apparently, and on top of that, pieces of Beskar armor were among the wreckage. Now, could this mean that the Mandalorians who freed Gideon be the remnants of Bo-Katan's old crew? We haven't seen them yet. Uh, is Kane in cahoots with the New Republic? Because we did have that colonel that Tiva went to for help, and he turned them down, basically, because they didn't have the resources. That guy was actually played by Tim Meadows, who's probably best known for Saturday Night Live. I don't think I'd ever seen him in any dramatic role. Everything I've seen him in, he's done comedy. He's very good at comedy. But this was very much a serious role, and I thought he was just fine in it. It was more kind of like the Jack Black thing for me, where I kind of saw the actor before I saw the character, but they were still entertaining because I didn't have the 
disapproval that other people had for Jack Black. But that does also bode the question, where the heck is Gideon anyway? We have not seen him at all yet this season, and we're definitely coming to the end of the season. We haven't seen Hyden or Hare of him. But he is out there, presumably at large, and we're going to have to see what he's up to pretty darn quickly. But like I said, this was swashbuckling space opera at its finest. You know, swashbuckling complete with pirates. The third act gave us plenty of action. Not only that, but most of the fighting was actually pretty one-sided in favor of the Mandalorians because they make rather quick work of Shard and his goons. The armor alone mops the floor of a room full of pirates just with her hammer. It was a little surprising to see Gorian Shard go down in a single episode. I thought he was going to be more recurring. I mean, we're presuming he died in the wreck when his Corsair was taken down because I really doubt having plants for skin is going to last very long in a fiery blaze. So his Chia face, his Chia body was probably burned to a crisp. And we also got two other cameos of note. Obviously, we got Zeb from Rebels. That was a nice Easter egg, a nice little bonus. And we got Kane who, like I said, maybe she is in cahoots with the New Republic. Maybe Tim Meadows' character isn't exactly on the up and up. He might not be as honest as he may have been leading on. Now, with three episodes left, we're likely getting into the final arc of the season. There still are plenty of ends to tie up, not just with Gideon. Mandalore itself still has to be taken back, and there is still that presence of the Mythosaur. I think we're going to see the Mythosaur at some point before the end of the season. It would not surprise me if the Mythosaur joins in the fight to retake Mandalore. So those are my thoughts. I thought it was a great episode. I gave it a solid A, arguably the best episode of the season and one of the best, I think, in the entire series. I think this could be leading to a Mandalorian civil war because if it was Mandalorians that freed Gideon, they're probably eventually going to clash with Din's people. And I also thought it was funny how the monkey lizards, when the Mandalorians showed up, they were kind of pointing out where the bad guys were hiding. A little subtle humor there. But let me know what you folks think. You can find the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 328. And you can also get links there for a lot of the stuff I'm using when I make my predictions and my summaries. And you can also respond on geekvilleradio.com. We'd like to hear what you folks have to say. So that brings us to the Bad Batch Season 2 finale, which ended pretty much on a downer. It was like the Empire Strikes Back season for the Bad Batch. This followed up on many of the stories from what seemed like the one-off side quest episodes. Crosshair has softened on his stance against the Bad Batch and even tried to alert them trouble was coming. And there's another trope about the Bad Batch seeming to enjoy life on a peaceful planet without fighting. All their friends are okay, they're enjoying life, what could possibly go wrong? But they seem to understand that since they're soldiers, anywhere they go, trouble is likely to follow. Much like Wolverine in the Logan movie, why he had 
such reservations about going places because he knew if he stayed anywhere, bad things would happen. Now, Dr. Hemlock, as the main villain, it seems, for the latter part of this season, he's a mad scientist. He tortures Crosshair in a scene that really was kind of similar to what Kane did to Dr. Pershing. I didn't realize at first, but Hemlock is actually voiced by Jimmy Simpson, who's probably best known for being in Westworld. The planet that they went to, Iriadu, has been in lore in the past, in comics and books and such. It's actually where Tarkin lives. It's, it's his home. And we even got a cameo by Krennic. You could also see in the fight sequences that the interior is very Death Star-like in the corridors. Lots of shots that mirrored classic trilogy scenes, especially them trying to get on planet to rescue Crosshair, who's very much like the shuttle going to Sullust and using a code to sneak past the Empire. You know, the classic Admiral Piet line about, it's an older code, but it checks out. And we also got the return of Saw Guerra, who blew up the base rather than gain the intelligence that could be gotten at the, the base and put our heroes in peril, cost them echo. He falls from one of the air cars and sacrifice, so the others could go on living. So not only did they fail to save Crosshair, one of their guys died, and they also wound up getting ratted out by Sid, who they were working for, for the season. That's why I mean it was definitely more like an Empire Strikes Back type ending than a Star Wars ending, because really the only thing the heroes won is survival. They, they, they survived and got away, but they didn't necessarily win anything. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Sid after all this, because she was the one that did rat him out, did double-cross them effectively, and Omega is now in the hands of Dr. Hemlock. Like the quote from Clerks, you know, Empire had the ending on such a down note. I think it's a pretty safe bet we're getting a season three. Maybe they'll announce that sometime in the near future. But I also enjoyed this episode, enjoyed the season, ended on a downer, but much like Clone Wars, when Bad Batch clicks on all cylinders, it's about as Star Wars as you can get for me, so I was quite happy with that. And again, I'd like to know what you folks think, geekwillradio.com. If you're listening to us for the first time, of course, welcome. We can be found on Facebook and Twitter, at Geekville Radio, and Instagram as well. You can look in the podcast format of your choosing, podcast stage. We're in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Do a search for Geekville Radio, and you'll find this show. So again, thanks, thank you folks for listening, and we'll talk to you on next time, and I'm going to power down everything here in the Geekville Radio Studios. Are you looking for a gaming themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fried. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFried.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Family. All Time Lords and Ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. 
from Hartnell to Capaldi, Examine the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examine the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at geekgoradio.com. Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekVilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on GeekVilleRadio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.